Where do you see your career in 10 years? What are you doing now to help you get there? The sooner you start enhancing your skills, the sooner you'll be ready. That's why AARP has reskilling courses in a variety of categories like marketing and management to help your income live as long as you do. That's right. AARP has a bevy of free skill building courses for you to choose from because the steps that you choose to take today will help you to love what you do in the future. And that's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Learn more at aarp.org skills. In recent weeks, we've really focused on some ways that listeners can boost their income. Uh, so whether that's through starting your own side business and growing your network like Hala talked about, or when we talked with local realtor Alan about diving into investing in real estate, well, what better way to test the waters? While you are away, your home could also earn extra income. That's right. Your empty space could be an Airbnb while you're traveling because that's all you need to become an Airbnb host. It's a lot easier than you think, and you don't need to Airbnb your entire house. You could just host your extra spare room. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives. But those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp's software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to How to Money. I'm Joel. And I am Matt. And today we're discussing stock market slumps, financial infidelity, and four-day work weeks. That's right, buddy. This is our Friday flight. I think most folks here know that we're going to cover a bunch of stories uh, that we found interesting. And we are specifically going to talk about how those stories impact our finances, our personal finances. And we're definitely going to get to uh, talking about the stock market because that's been on everybody's radar this week. But before oh, we man, get to that, it ever. Yeah. Uh, I wanted to mention we're going to do a giveaway. Uh, you might remember that earlier this month, Kamiko Love, she joined us here on the show. She's the, the, the budget mom and her new book, My Money, My Way, that we discussed during that interview. It actually comes out here in a few days. And so 
So we are doing a book giveaway where five listeners are going to get a free copy of that book. To enter this giveaway, just head over to Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Leave us a solid review there and then just email us at howtomoneypod at gmail.com. Do that before next Wednesday, Wednesday, February 2nd by midnight, and you will be entered into that book giveaway. And remember, uh, this can be an old review. So basically, you can just resubmit uh, that email. Uh, there's a lot of folks who do that where they just pull up that thread uh, <laughs> where they've emailed, emailed us before about a book giveaway. Send it over again. And they're just like entering the giveaway again. Yep. That's all we are asking of you. And so do that. We'll announce our winners on our next Friday Flight episode yeah, ne- I know next week. A lot of folks listen on Spotify and Spotify just opened up the ability recently to rate a podcast. And so That's that counts right. too. If you rate us on Spotify, we uh, will take that uh, as an entry into this contest. So and easy. Good luck because Kamiko rocks and we're glad to be able to give away some of her books. Absolutely. But Matt, on to the subject at hand. Let's get to the Friday flight and let's talk let's about do it. the stories we found interesting, how they uh, apply to our personal finances. And, and let's start by talking about the stock market. Okay, because, good. Let's yeah, do it. <laughs> it's, it's like top of mind. It's like the news of the week. And it's the stock market has been on a wild ride this week in particular. But even it's more than that, it's currently on this a year, wild ride as we are recording this episode. Yes, I, yeah, we were just looking at it. It's all over the place. Exactly. It's all over the map. It, on Monday, the S&P 500 was down 4%, but then it rallied up to close <laughs> up on the day, which was surprising. Tuesday saw something very similar. Wednesday was kind of the opposite. It was up and then down. And so it, it, it like we don't want to recap the week's events like a CNBC talking head because that's not how we roll. Uh, trying to pinpoint the cause for the volatility and, you know, pinning it on the Fed decision or inflation or the new numbers that came out from wherever, <laughs> wherever they are. It is, it is all of the above. Yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> there are a lot of things impacting kind of what's happening in the stock market. But uh, we did want to mention this because how do money listeners, like if you're kind of paying attention to financial news, you're going to see tweets, you're going to see headlines, and you're going to say, what does this mean for me? How should I be reacting? We want you to remember the gyrations in the market, even crazy weeks or even a crazy month like we've had in the stock market so far. Um, These short-term moves don't impact you in any meaningful way if you're investing for the long term. That's right. We are asking you to step back away from the ledge. <laughs> uh, so what? Okay, yeah. Can you sing it like a uh, jumper? No, uh, I, 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 for some reason, I knew you were going to sing say that. that ledge, my <laughs> so what this means to almost everyone is that no changes are needed uh, when it comes to how you are investing. We want you to stay the course, stick to your plan. On this note, crypto, like it's been on more of an extended wild ride. Uh, the value of Bitcoin, it's been cut in half since November of last year. Uh, and there's been a lot of volatility in that space lately as well. Uh, If you zoom out, the rise in the price of Bitcoin, it still has been incredible, right? But this is why you keep your crypto allocation in check. Because if you have too high of a percentage of your investments in the the cryptocurrency space, you're probably getting pretty nervous right now. And so if you're a little skittish, perhaps, (laughs) that means that you probably should be trimming your exposure to crypto. Uh, This is going to help you to not only diversify your portfolio, it'll also allow you to possibly sleep a little better at night. I know that it might be difficult to think that, oh yeah, uh, uh, you know, a portfolio reality 
allocation right now. It doesn't necessarily <laughs> seem like something you want to do. It's, and to be honest, we're not asking you to time the market right now. What we're trying to ask you to do is to completely ignore what the market is doing and for you to get back on track with yes. whatever your investing plan is. It just happens to be that right now, it's uh, it's pretty volatile right now. And so I, I think that's going to make it even more difficult. But a lot of times, we don't know how we're going to respond to our portfolio taking a dip until we are faced with some of these, these right. situations. Yeah, yeah. It's been said that the best investment strategy is the one that you can live with, is the one that allows you to sleep at night and not worry. And yeah. so if you find yourself worrying as we're experiencing a 10, 12% drop in the S&P, or if you're finding yourself worrying, experiencing a 50% drop in the price of Bitcoin or Ether or whatever coins you're holding, you need to change your strategy because your strategy needs to allow you to stay the course, yep. even when things are going haywire. And uh, Matt, while we're talking about investing, let's give an update on socially responsible investing. Yeah, the Wall Street Journal has kind of done like an interesting series on it this week. And writer James McIntosh, he he basically said in one of those articles that it's a complete waste of time. And <laughs> so, uh, it's, yeah. Mostly a waste of time. Yes. Yeah. And so those are fighting words, I would say, for anyone who's a proponent of investing their money in specific sectors or specific companies that align with their values. But you and I, we kind of we kind of tend to agree with him, and we've never mm-hmm. had great things to say about ESG investing. They're ourselves. not our favorite thing. Yeah. So ESG, socially responsible, those terms kind of get lumped together. ESG stands for environmental social governance, and so basically the idea is is that you're investing in companies that do a great job in all three of those areas, mm-hmm. and so. It's not that we're against companies doing good things. I think sometimes when people hear <laughs> Why us, wouldn't you invest in ESG G funds? Do you not want to live in a world that's less polluted? Joy? Right, yeah. Do you love global warming or something? Like, uh, No, it's, it's, it's quite the opposite, in fact. It's, it's just that these funds come with higher fees, and there's no clear standard by which companies are considered to be socially conscious, right? So one person's gold standard might make another person's naughty list. And so we would say, invest in socially responsible or ESG funds if you'd like to, but do your due diligence to make sure that your money is flowing where you want it to be going, that you're not just taking the fun name as gospel truth and right. patting yourself on the back, feeling better because you did the socially responsible thing. And so, yeah, real, realize also that you're likely to generate potentially less returns if you go that route as well, in large part because of the higher fees that come alongside these funds. That's right. One of the other interesting things that he mentioned, too, is that a lot of these funds may not actually have the impact that people think they do, not because the dollars aren't going towards the companies that they would like them to go towards, but basically that if your ESG fund doesn't say, you know, invest in a company that might be considered a quote unquote dirty company, well, that doesn't mean that somebody else isn't going to you know, buy shares in that company. Mm-hmm. Uh, there will be an index fund that does include that company, or there will be individual investors who decide to invest solely in that company. And so in this way, it is difficult to make lasting changes and, and positive impacts without you know, somehow snapping your finger and cha- magically changing the mind of everybody at yeah. the same time. That's and, what's so difficult. And that's not to say that the actions that we take as everyday consumers and in our lives to make choices that are good for the environment or good for our communities are not impactful, because I think those are. I think the small choices that we make, whether it's to drive fewer cars, whether it's to eat less meat, right? Th- those are those are things which I don't eat less meat. I probably should. But th- those are the kind of things that I think um, you can make a choice with your dollars with how you spend them, mm-hmm. but with how you invest them, I think the impact is, is minimal to non-existent. That's right. That is what Mr. McIntosh was arguing there. Uh, let's shift gears for a second. Something that everybody loves, 
three day weekends. Oh yeah. Uh, and so a question though, what, like, what if you could always have a three day weekend? Oh, that sounds that sounds nice. There are a lot of companies now, or a few at least, who are starting to offer a four day work week. The number of companies who are doing this is on the rise. Uh, and at the same time, I don't want to oversell what's happening because you know, just because a few companies are doing this, I wouldn't expect your employer out there maybe to transition to fewer work hours next week. But this trend does seem to have some staying power. Uh, Kickstarter, Panasonic, they are both companies that are leading the way towards a shorter work week. Uh, And a new study actually shows that most folks, they prefer a flexible work schedule, even over being able to work from home. Mm. Uh, But here's the thing. You don't have to go and work for one of these, you know, these few companies who are making this pivot. You can petition your company to make your hours a little bit more flexible. Uh, You might even be able to ask for, you know, Fridays or another day if you prefer off altogether. Bottom line, you never know what is possible if you don't ask. And so we wanted just to put that on your radar. You might want to do a little bit of research, <laughs> maybe bring in some stats to that conversation. But most companies that have made the switch have seen greater levels of employee happiness and productivity at the same time. We'll make sure to link to some of those stories and some of these studies uh, if you are trying to make a case at your employer. Yes, exactly. No, there, there are a bunch. And, and actually, you know, one study we could link to, Matt, in, in our show notes is What's been happening in Iceland? A lot of companies have been going that direction, specifically in Iceland. I think it was kind of a, a national effort to to push companies to 32-hour weeks. And you know, I, I don't necessarily think we need federal legislation, kind of like the Iceland government. And you know, the USA we kind of function <laughs> differently than some of those Definitely. European countries. Yeah. Although I, th- I actually do think legislation was recently introduced that would push us in this direction. But another consideration is uh, is not just where you work, but Matt, we've talked about this. The pandemic has created a lot of people starting their own business, a lot of solopreneurs. And if you're one of those people, if you have started your own your own business, well, just realize you don't have to work five days a week and take two weeks of vacation. That is kind of the the stock American way is uh-huh. is to, is to basically work 50 weeks out of the year and to work five days a week. But now you're in charge, and so you get to make the <laughs> rules. And you might say, you know what? My work week's going to be 32 hours a week or 35 hours a week, and I'm going to take four or five weeks of vacation. That's the cool thing about working for yourself. Matt, you and I, we've instituted a four and a half day work week here at yeah. Out of Money, half day Fridays, <laughs> which is always nice. So like in the morning, if I need to go get the oil changed or company policies here, yeah, run some errands, whatever it is, Friday is kind of the time where we're able to take care of some of those tasks so that we can still kind of keep our weekends a little more free for family stuff. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. Reading about these trends, though, maybe it'll make us consider cutting back even more. Hey, I'm for it. <laughs> Just taking Fridays <laughs> off altogether. Well, yeah. I mean, and I like the idea too. Like, I've I've talked to you before about my desire to like do more like hands-on home renovation work. Yeah. And so I recently actually brought that up to Kate. I'm just like, hey. All right. Like, just think, what would it look like if we were doing a live and flip? <laughs> and uh, she promptly shut that down. <laughs> She's like, I don't even want to talk about that. That sounds awful. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, there, there's this law. Have you heard of Parkinson's law, Matt? Yeah, that's like the the fishbowl fish that fills the fishbowl rule, right? Right. Yes, exactly. It's it states essentially that work expands to fill the time available for its completion. Right. Yeah. So there is something to it, like uh, where the tasks we have to do. We'll get them done quicker if we have to. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, meaningful, productive work is an important part of human existence. We fully believe that. But it's also important to be well-rounded, actively working towards fewer but more impactful hours of work. I would say that's a good goal for folks to be striving for. And so whether you work nine to five for somebody else, whether you are doing your own thing, it's not that we want you to be lazy, but we we would love for you to actually be at your desk for fewer mm-hmm. hours and have those hours that you're there be more productive. 
Totally, man. I liked as well how you mentioned Iceland and specifically how it's kind of like it's not the American way. Yeah. Because I do think that the countries who are mandating this, right, who are making it law, I don't like that as much as I like individual companies being able to make the decision to, sure. to say, all right, this is something that our our employees are wanting. Uh, let's give it a shot. Because like here in America, just think about all the entrepreneurship, the ingenuity, the progress, like the technology and like medi- medical progress we've made because of the ability just to work really hard. Or like, pro- progress with rockets look at the way the rockets, people at spacex work yeah tesla like 80 90 hour weeks tesla rivian yeah. like these companies exist here in the united states i'm thinking about like the vaccines pfizer moderna mm-hmm. johnson and johnson these are all american companies and i think if we were to say okay you, you know you are not allowed to work beyond a certain amount of time i think that could really stifle i think it could stymie the progress and just all of the awesome things that we're able to do here in the u.s yeah. uh, could, and could, so i like that it's an option i want it to be an option for companies i want it to be something where more employees are asking for it so they can try it out but I, I don't like the idea of it being kind of like a across the board thing that is required. Agreed. Think if that was federal law and you know folks at Pfizer who are working on this could gl- you imagine glorious miracle oh of a vaccine and they're like it, it takes them eight nine months longer just because of, of that regulation yep. um, that could certainly slow innovation and growth down in some ways but but for those of us who are pursuing for financial independence who are good with our money who have saved well and invested well and who don't want to work 50 hours a week. I think it's a good goal to work less. And I think mm-hmm. there are ways that you can implement that into your life. Um, not in every situation, but but a lot of people can figure out a way to do that. Totally. Um, and yeah, the workforce is, I think, responding in large part to the way millennials and Gen Z want to work. Um, and I think that's kind of cool to see. But all right, Matt, we got more stories to get to, including one about cheaper cell phones uh, and cheaper prescription drugs. We'll get to both of those and more right after this break. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. They are committed to high ethical standards and even had to pass a rigorous exam before they could become a CFP professional. They offer financial planning and services that take a more comprehensive view of your financial and personal circumstances and are customized for your needs. Certified financial planner professionals can offer advice on a wide range of issues like reviewing your investment portfolio's allocation, handling an inheritance, rolling over a company retirement plan, building education savings, and so much more. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. I'm guessing that a lot of listeners are starting to solidify their summer travel plans. We always like to get the families together, Matt, for a week yeah, at the we beach do. every single summer. We've already got that trip to St. Simons on the calendar. Pump for that. But sometimes those vacations get expensive. So what better way to offset some of those costs than to have your home earning some money while you're away? That's right. Why let it sit empty when it could be earning extra income? It's the financially smart thing to do. So think it through. Maybe you've got some extra space in your home, or maybe you have an entire house to host. Or maybe you're just going on vacation and your home is sitting empty. In every case, you can Airbnb it. You already have the space, so it won't be a huge adjustment. I mean, the way I see it, if you're not using your space, you have two options. You can let it just sit there empty, or you do some optimizing and make some money off it. Really, if you think about it, you already have an Airbnb. You just need to start using it. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. Spring cleaning is kind of an annual rite of passage. We've all got to do it, minimize the junk that we have in our house. Emily and I, we just cleaned our closets out. It took hours. 
but it was so worth it. Now we've only got stuff in there that we love, and it's easier to find everything too. And so, you know, while cleaning your closets is helpful, well, there's something else you can do for your family this spring. Shopping for life insurance with Policy Genius, for example, is a really important part of your financial planning for the year. That's right. Yeah. And here is the thing that's important to remember, because you might be thinking you don't need to check out Policy Genius because you've got a policy through work. But even if you have a life insurance policy through your job, it may not offer you enough protection for your family's needs and it may not follow you if you leave your job. With Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies that start at just $292 per year for $1 million of coverage. Some options offer same-day approval and avoid unnecessary medical exams. Policy Genius works for you, not the insurance companies, and that means they don't have an incentive to recommend one insurer over another, so you can trust their guidance. Save time and money and provide your family with a financial safety net using Policy Genius. Head to policygenius.com to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you could save. That's policygenius.com. If you're listening to this podcast right now and you're a small business owner, listen up. Upswell Marketing would like to remind you that when customers choose your small business, they're actually choosing you. So focus on super serving your existing customers and let Upswell handle the pipeline generation of new leads and customers. They do everything from hyper-targeting best fit prospects through campaign optimization. Upswell Marketing's unique approach includes direct mail, search engine marketing, and social media ads, and has fueled more than 10,000 small business success stories. Upswell specializes in developing customized direct response campaigns and is now offering a no-obligation free assessment of your current marketing strategies. Not to mention, new customers also receive 15% off their first order when they mention that they heard about Upswell on this podcast. For more information, visit upswellmarketing.com. That's upswellmarketing.com. All right, we're back. Yeah, and in a world of inflation, there are a few things that are more affordable these days. <laughs> but before we get to the stories, Joel, that you hinted at, let's get to our ludicrous headline of the week. And this one reads, 32% of coupled U.S. adults have cheated on their partners financially. Ooh. This one comes to us from a survey by creditcards.com. This is not good. No, it's not. Uh, it, it showed that roughly half of Gen Z and millennial uh, relationships struggle with this, where there has been some uh, financial cheating going on. Uh, and the truth is that financial infidelity can tank your relationship quickly. It can break the trust in an instant. Yeah, so let's quickly define it. Financial infidelity, um, it can be a number of things, right? It could be spending more than your partner would be okay with and then hiding it. It could mean having a credit card that uh, your partner doesn't know about, maybe even keeping a, a stash of, of money, of savings, investments, whatever, that you keep a secret. Uh, hey, your, your partner doesn't know you're a millionaire secretly. <laughs> that would be that would be kind of crappy. Yep. Uh, it's okay though to, to not tell your like your brand new boyfriend or girlfriend how much you have in your 401k. But first date if, breaking out the budget and the spreadsheets. Yeah, but if you are in a long term committed relationship, I think hiding these things from your partner can be seen as as a betrayal, and it can have these negative implications on your relationship moving forward. Yeah, I I agree. I, and y just to clarify. You don't have to print out those account balances and show somebody your Vanguard account on your smartphone on the second date. Like that would be <laughs> that would be not what we're pushing for. Uh, That's yeah. just weird. 
Yeah, plus you're just basically broadcasting your nerd status. You're just like wearing it on your sleeve if <laughs> yes. that's what you're doing during your date. Look at my Jack Vogel tattoo, too, <laughs> on my bicep. Oh, that's, that's probably not what you want to do. Right, yeah. But we would say it is okay to have separate accounts if that's what works best for your relationship situation, just not hidden accounts, right? And so honesty really is the best policy um, because according to this poll, Matt, most folks view financial infidelity on the same exact level as physically being cheated on, which I found that fascinating because crazy. I think of them as pretty similar, um, but uh, yeah, it's, uh, other people view it the same way too. You don't want to be pulling in the opposite direction as your significant other. And if you are committing financial infidelity, that's exactly what you're doing. And so if this is a relationship that you're committed to, laying your cards on the table enables you to better plan for the future that you envision having together. But mm-hmm. yeah, Matt, that's kind of kind of sad to see that a third of overall people are doing this. But then when we're looking at our cohort, millennials and then younger Gen Z, it's like they're doing it in droves. More than half of them are hiding things from their significant other. And it's just just unhealthy. Right. Well, I think what's key is that if you are in a, like what you said is so true, if you are in a committed relationship. And I think honestly, that is the big problem is like it kind of aligns with what we see when it comes to folks who are married and and not married, right? Because if you're committed, then yes, these are conversations you need to have. But if you're, you know, you might be in a relationship, but if you're not totally sure if it's long term or not, yeah, maybe there are separate accounts that yeah. folks don't know about. And obviously, the younger you get, when you move from millennials down to Gen Z, there are going to be fewer folks who are married or who are in a long-term committed relationship. That's a good point. That's probably has something to do with these numbers. Right. And so, I mean, but that being said, I th- it, it is still a great practice, though, that if you are either married or if you've had a just a serious talk where you are in this for the long haul, uh, you need to make sure that you're being transparent. You need to make sure that you're sharing with each other. Yep. Totally. All right. So look, should we talk about cheap phones for a second? Let's do it. All right. There was this really cool CNET story, and it basically was saying that the cheapest phones out there are getting way better. And so for guys like us who like to spend less money on gadgets, that was music to our ears. We're obviously not tech experts. Like if you if you want to hear a tech expert's opinion of what cell cheap, phone is the best phones. one to get, yeah, you want to go to like MKBHD on YouTube or whatever. <laughs> that guy knows what he's talking about. But um, but we've kind of been seeing this in the cell phone space in recent years. Google and Apple both have released these like solid mid tier phones. You know, in the last couple of years, I still I'm still using, still rolling with the uh, Pixel 4a, which is which is a $350 phone and it's solid. I like mm-hmm. it. And Samsung just announced a new cheaper phone called the Galaxy S21. FE, which is... It's a, a great name. Yeah. Great, great naming convention. Why the FE? Yeah, I know. I, I don't get it. But uh, it's uh, it's 700 bucks and has some triple lens camera, which, Matt, I'm sure you would probably dig. Well, that's that's actually a really great price point for a phone that has the triple lenses, yeah. right? So to be able to have a phone in that you know in that range that has the wide, the regular, and then the telephoto, yeah. I mean, that's that's really appealing to that's, someone like me. That's not like over a thousand bucks because most of them Ex- are. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And, and you can go with even more affordable phones, right? You don't have to uh, go all the way up to 700 bucks. The Nokia G4 400 is a new 5G phone that costs only 239 bucks, which is amazing. I wonder if you That's, can play Snake on it like we used to on our Nokia phone. It's, no, it's a real touch uh, <laughs> touchscreen phone. It's just crazy affordable. Yeah, I know. That's a really good price point, and so it, I, I feel like this is just a good reminder that you don't have to shell out just a grand or more for a phone with three lenses because there's a $700 option yep. and you don't even need to spend 500 bucks for a phone with 5G. There are solid options in that 350 uh, range or even less, even even under 250. And so you can find a, a really good phone. You can, you're can you going to make some compromises, but it's not like you're going from like a Tesla to a jalopy. It's more like... Like a Toyota Corolla. Like it gets the job done, not super flashy, but uh, it's still a really solid car. Yeah, exactly. And, and maybe it's even better than a Corolla. I'm sure that Samsung is definitely better oh, definitely. than a Corolla. Yeah, yeah. Right? But the Nokia might be Corolla level. 
Yeah, maybe like an electric Corolla, Chevy Bolt. (laughs) (laughs) But like you said, I do think this is a good wake-up call. Essentially, if you have just been in the mindset of, oh, all the good phones cost $1,000, that's just what I'm going to have to spend, uh, and you're only looking at Apple phones or Google phones, there are a lot of different options out there. And sometimes it takes being confronted with the information like this and being jarred loose from your way of thinking to know that I can actually save a good chunk of money by going with a a different phone than I've gone with in the past. Yeah, and... To be to be honest, Matt, you know, you, I have a fairly cheap phone. You have a pretty expensive phone. We're I got not, a nice we're not, one. We're not judging people on their phone choices, but I think the biggest thing to save money on a phone is to use it longer. And oh, if we totally. just avoid the upgrade cycle, that's going to be probably even more important uh, to get the phone you want and then hold on to it for three plus years. Or yeah. that, yeah, and making sure that you get that affordable uh, cell phone coverage too. Got to get that Mint Mobile. That's right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> obviously, big fans of that. Uh, another little phone story here. If you do decide to upgrade to one of those fancier yet inexpensive phones, uh, make sure to sell your old phone to make some money. Don't just stick it in a drawer. Actually list it on Facebook Marketplace. Get whatever value out of it that you can. But here's another option. If your old phone isn't worth anything, uh, it turns out that you can use your old phone as a security camera. Fast Company had this article describing how you can use this app called Alfred Camera to turn an old cell phone into like a baby monitor, maybe a camera to watch out for packages when they arrive, whatever you might need an extra set of eyes for. Uh, It looks pretty cool. It works both with uh, iOS and Android. Uh, So we'll make sure to link to that app in our show notes. All right, Alfred Camera. Yeah, it's pretty cool. My daughter has like a little knit mouse and she calls it Alfred. So, oh, really? Yeah. Think of that. <laughs> Where'd she get that name? Um, I don't know. That's a good question. But she's been call- she's been taking him around everywhere for like the last few days. It's a very uh, proper Alfred. old school name. It is. It is. It's Alfred. An old British gentleman or something. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, speaking of phones, uh, we came across a pretty silly story of a toddler who bought around $2,000 yeah. <laughs> worth of furniture on his mom's phone. And yeah, she had put- like, Literally a toddler did this. Right. Yeah. He's I don't even know. I think he was 22 months old. Yeah, he's like two years old. Yeah. And so she put a bunch of items in her cart, like you do, right? And you're just like n- mm-hmm. not checking out. You're thinking about it. But then she didn't actually make that purchase. And so the, the two-year-old managed to get on the phone, and he completed the order for her. Which <laughs> Don't worry, Mom. I got that. <laughs> and so they didn't even realize this had happened yeah. <laughs> until all the boxes and boxes of stuff showed up at their house. And so... I don't know. I thought, you know, one other lesson while we're talking about smartphones is maybe um, make sure we have a proper passcode set up on our phones or the fingerprint sensor like unlock, right? So that your toddler can't log into your Walmart account and (laughs) buy Mm -hmm. a bunch of stuff. Uh, And even just from a security standpoint, right? Someone can get a hold of your phone and think about all the stuff that's on our phone these days, Matt. And there's Google Pay. My credit cards are on on my smartphone um, yep. and you can buy stuff with them or you can transfer money from my bank account or from my cash app or Venmo. And so, yeah, you want to make sure that your phone is locked down, that you have enabled those login procedures so that yeah. someone can't snag your phone and in an instant rob you blind. Which also, like another thing, it makes me think of the auto lock. And so on your phone, Joel, when you unlock it, how long does it stay on or whatever before it like locks back down automatically? Uh, I don't know. Three, like a, three seconds, maybe six seconds. Oh, really? Maybe. Oh, crazy. Okay. So on uh, Apple phone, you can set it to like 30 seconds, one minute, like two, three, four, five, or like never. Okay. And I think another thing to consider is you probably want to make sure that your phone is on auto lock after 30 seconds or one minute. I think one minute is like the default. Okay. But maybe maybe so, I'm wrong then. I don't know what mine is. Okay. Yeah. I don't know how these Android phones work. <laughs> um, but so many times when I unlock my phone to do something real quick, I, I just set it down and I don't 
lock it. I let it auto lock because I don't know. I just figure I don't want to push the button. It, like, where's out the button? I don't know if you, if anybody else thinks that <laughs> Is way. That true. I think that way. Okay. Like, if you I don't know if you push it every single time to relock it rather than just let it automatically lock with via the software. Anyway, that's what I do. I'm pretty sure I'm not the only one out there. But if you if your phone is set to like two minutes or three minutes where it's just sitting there unlocked. And somebody gets a hold of your phone, well, you're sorry out of luck. And so I think that's just another thing to keep in mind as well. Maybe consider taking your phone off of five minutes. Uh, I don't know if anybody out there has their phone set to never lock. If it's just sitting there and it's just on. Probably not, right? Who does that? Well, so I will say, if I see somebody's phone that's like that, I will take goofy selfies of myself. (laughs) That's the worst thing I'm going to do to your phone if I'm around it. But other people might do worse. Yeah, other folks might have more nefarious intentions in mind. That's right. All right, well, let's let's talk about, uh, we talked about cheap phones. Let's talk about cheap prescription drugs. Cheap meds. Yeah, high-profile billionaire and entrepreneur Mark Cuban and a potentially future president, I guess. He wants to run for president at some point. I hadn't read that. He's making generic drugs more affordable. That is a winning campaign item, I would say. Uh, But his site, costplusdrugs.com, it launched earlier this week. And its goal is to provide more transparency in the space, in a space that has obviously um, not had (laughs) much transparency over the years. And they're kind of actually going with the Costco business model, Matt, of charging the cost plus 15%. And if you don't know how Costco does things, that's basically how they roll. That's their formula. Yeah. They don't mark anything up over more than 15%. And so more competition in the prescription drug space is a good thing for all of us. So next time you're shopping for a prescription, we would say stop by Cost Plus Drugs to see if that can save you money. And don't forget about Good RX too. That's one of our favorites that's been around for a while. And you can just like literally pull it up on your phone, show it to the pharmacist while you're getting your drugs, and you can often save a bundle. That's one of the best sites and apps, I think, to save. But, but this Cost Plus Drugs is going to be just adding more competition into the space, in a space that has really been sorely lacking for, for that competition. That's right. And the more competition there is, the better it is for us consumers. And you know, everyone knows it's going to cost a lot more to buy a car right now, specifically 60 more, which is actually equivalent to roughly five weeks of salary. Uh, A recent story talked about that. And we're going to talk more about buying a car the right way. We're going to do that next week. But uh, until then, we want you to have a great weekend. Don't forget to enter the book giveaway for Kamiko's book. All you got to do is leave that review on Apple Podcasts or give us that rating on Spotify. Send us an email letting us know that you did and you are entered into that giveaway. That's right. It's howtomoneypod at gmail.com. Shoot it over. We'll get you entered into the contest. That's right. All right, Matt, that's going to do it for this episode. Until next time, best friends out. Best friends out. It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place 
for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Across Generations, where the voices of Black women unite. I'm your host, Tiffany Cross. Tiffany Cross. Join me and be a part of sisterhood, friendship, wisdom, and laughter. We gather a seasoned elder, myself as the middle generation, and a vibrant young soul for engaging intergenerational conversations, prepare to engage or hear perspectives that literally no one else has had. Listen to Across Generations podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers.